Welcome to Sip, Survive, and Repeat. Oh man, it's <laughs> oh my god, that was a big sigh. Oh, I know. Us. Well, that's because it's been a long week for us. It's Friday it's for been you. A long it's year. Tuesday. <laughs> it's only March. Only March. <laughs> I'm so excited though. I know I'm not supposed to go out of the country, but I am leaving. You can do what you want. I do what I want. I'm leaving in May. You're going to the I'm Outer Banks. The Outer Banks for a week with the dog. Well, we're going to DC first. Mm-hmm. Are you going to see some monuments? We are. We bought Callie a stroller. Which I love. And it's going to be, it says it can hold up to 100 pounds. How much does she weigh? 65, but I want her to have some space. Okay, yeah. She's a big course. girl. So we bought her a stroller, so we're going to stroll her around D.C. We're going to stay in like the George Washington area. Sure. Right. I don't know. It looked, it looked, it's by the university, I guess, whatever. Oh, George Washington University. Yes. But I was like Georgetown. Oh, yeah. oh, wait. So are you going to be near Georgetown? Yes. Okay. Like the university. Yes. But the district is called Georgetown, I guess. Yeah. Like Foggy Bottom. Uh, you know whatever. what? I just... Limited I research did. I did. I'm this many days old. I'm today days old when I realized that Georgetown is named Georgetown because of George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, oh my well, God. Good. The okay. more you know. The more you know. <laughs> and then we're going to do Outer Banks for four nights. And then on the way home, we're just going to stop in a little coastal town in Delaware. Some random we just picked. That's cute. I, just I don't to, think I've ever been to Delaware. I haven't either. I'll let you know how it is. Keep me posted. It looks, I might be interested. It looks, the hotel looks interesting. Are you staying in a hotel or are you, or are you doing Airbnb? We're doing hotels. I really, so DC, I want to order breakfast in bed mm. and I want to just like have someone wait on me. Um, <laughs> That's my girl. And then the Outer Banks, we looked at Airbnbs, but they're all like eight bedrooms. Like they're yeah, all big they're houses. Huge, yeah. so we got, we're staying at this little inn that allows pets. It's the only place in the northern part of the Outer Banks that allows pets. Is it on the beach? It's on the beach. It's on the sound, but the beach is just like across the street. So. Okay. What part of the Outer Banks? Corolla. Okay. So northern. Yeah. And then the we're going to... The Toyota Corolla area? The to- they they um, specialize in Toyota Corollas, <laughs> the all-wheel drive new version. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Now, when is this happening? Soon? Mm, end of April. <clears throat> okay. All right. For a week. So excited! I haven't gone anywhere in a long time. <coughs> and you're going Sorry. to <coughs> Kenny. I don't have coronavirus. Cut that out. Cut that out. Last that time you like did that barking. and said that, you then had to go get a test for the coronavirus. Oh, no, but that's just how it. I cough. <laughs> I know. And I've been, my allergies have been really kicking. So bad. Do you want some Allegra? No, I took. Claritin. I love giving I took... you guys medication when you're here. I love it. Um, no, I took Claritin today. Okay. I mean, I take I take it every morning now because I'm such a mess. My but I keep waking really up. Bad. I keep waking up in the middle of the night, just like coughing mm. and like Fleming. Yeah, it's gross. It's weird out right now because it's very hot, warm one day, and then it's supposed to snow next week. So right, like I can't. It's Ohio. It's and the older mm. you get, the more like I never had allergies, and now I have allergies. I'm going to see the allergist next Wednesday. I can't Wednesday, wait. Tuesday, one of those days. I can't wait. To so hear. even if it's not about the cat thing, which I'm still into, but like not as much because I feel like my life is already complicated. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I think I would like to know, am I allergic to other stuff? Is Claritin the right medicine? Yeah, Cause you might need a prescription, right? Like medication. I want her to be like, you're a mess, which I think I, cause I, I like cough up phlegm, like crap comes out of me. Yeah. You, you could be allergic to like Todd one. He's allergic to gerbils, rabbits, pine needles, and like uh, some other weird shit that he didn't know. Right. But he thought he was allergic to other things, which he's not. And he <clears throat> right. was actually allergic to like stuff. Just yeah. 
random shit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I can't wait to hear your. Oh man, I'm so excited. Your panel. <sighs> um. Uh, yeah, I go to Mexico in May. Oh, um, what part of Mexico? Just Cancun. Cancun. Yes. So my parents have two weeks down there at like a timeshare, mm-hmm. and now that my dad's retired, they're actually going to do both weeks back to back. They never did both weeks back. They would usually like push one hard to the for fall for, yeah. when he was working. Yeah. So they usually they do one in May, and then they push the other one to fall, and they go in like November. But now they're doing them back to back, and they go to Playa del Carmen first, mm-hmm. and then they kind of come back up and stay in Cancun for a week. So I'm meeting them for the Cancun week because that's my favorite resort. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I feel like all I'm going to do is be on the resort and eat the food and drink the beverages. Hell yeah. And it's going to be beautiful. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. And I have, I have my rash guards ready so I can look like a so giant dork. Board? No. Oh. So I don't get sunburned. Oh, okay. all I, I put it on. I get in whatever water body of water to get it wet. So it's like a little moist. <laughs> And it's then, more fitting. No, I don't want it to fit more. I want it to be wet so that it can like evaporate and yeah. it cools me down. And it feels good. Yeah. yeah. Like people think wearing long sleeves is like going to be hot, but once no, you get it wet, a rash it's part is When I went to Naples with a group of girlfriends, I then drove to Miami to meet one of my other friends who flew in and I got so sunburnt in Naples that I'd wear a rash guard the whole time in Miami. Yeah. And I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I love it. It was super cute too. I got really burnt in Mexico. This is what like prompted the rash guard Mm -hmm. situation. Like, I don't know. It must've been like three or four years ago. And that's when my love of rash guards began and I can't stop wearing them You should get like a cute crop one. Yeah, no one needs to see them. Yes, they do. Okay. Just who cares? Let it hang out. Let it out, girl. (laughs) On the beach. Have a drink and let it out. Have a drink. So we're not drinking wine because we're recording in the morning on mm-hmm. a Friday and we all are still working today after this. So. Yeah. And we, we don't want to take naps afterwards. Jesus. I mean, I happen. do want to take a nap after I this. I do, but matter, if I have but... alcohol, I'm really going to take a hardcore nap. I mean, I might yeah. take one anyway. Let's be clear. Wink, 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 wink. Um, okay. So we, I, um, I actually had a gift card, um, for Starbucks. Because Thank you, Jenny. You're welcome. So, um, my, I, I gave a bunch of shoes to my, it's, she's my friend too, but she's, it's my really good friend's sister. Okay. Wears the same size as me. And um, I, ha- I literally probably got rid of like 50 pairs Good of shoes. Good for you. Oh my God, I need to like do that. Like nuts-o-rama. And I gave them to her. And also, I think a couple purses too. Because I was just like, what is this purse? No. And I put it in there. So anyway, she gave me a little gift card when she sent her Christmas card to me this That's year. Sweet. So it's been sitting in my drawer. And I haven't used it. Because I don't really go to Starbucks that often. Even though mm-hmm. it's like right below me. The line's a little much when <gasps> I go there. Well, I ordered online. Oh. So it was you really nice. Right, well, it's right down. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes, they said six to nine minutes. So I ordered it. I took Sedona out. I came back. I put her away. I got my purse. I went downstairs. I picked up the teas. We're all doing teas. And let's tell everyone what we're drinking. I am doing the Jade Citrus Mint. Is it delicious? It's, I haven't drank it yet. It's still a little too hot for take me. Take the lid off. Let it um, cool off. And I'm only doing tea because I drank a ton of coffee already this morning. Right. So. <laughs> I think we all had a little coffee this morning. Did you have coffee yet? No. Oh, you don't always drink coffee, though. I don't usually drink coffee. You're a young Unless blood. it's cold brew. I like cold brew a lot. I've never tried a cold brew. Way less acidic. Really? Yeah. That's why I like I it. I do like cold brew, but... Do you? Do you yeah. put cream in it? I do. Yeah. Okay. You can put cream and sugar just like you would your coffee. I drink my coffee black, but I I don't know that a cold brew would be good just black. It can be. Okay. It's not bad. I get this one I like. It's Stoke, S-T-O-K, that okay. brand. It's like slightly sweetened. That mm. one's my favorite. Okay. 
Um, I'm having my first experience, I think, I can't remember, my first experience with oat milk currently. It Yours sounds delicious. It is delicious. So it's a uh, London Fog. And I know, um, I think there's someone, there's another podcast, uh, and that's why we drink. And mm, I feel yeah, like the, the one host on there really likes the London Fog. It's really good. It's um, Is that what the drink's called? Yes. So if I go to Starbucks and order it, they'll know what yes, I'm talking about. Yes, okay. it's called the London <laughs> Fog at Starbucks. And this is a Royal English breakfast tea, um, four pumps of vanilla, and then steamed milk. So I got the oat milk. Which I've never had oat milk. Like, I've never had... I was trying to cut calories, and so I was just like, what's going to help? You're like, oats! I was like, oats sound healthy. Well, I looked up. um, It was less calories to do the oat milk than, like, just skim, which Mm. would be fat-free milk. So, um, and I don't really love almond milk and all that stuff, so... I, like, I had a smoothie today, and I made homemade almond milk, and I put that in it. Like, I'm okay with almond milk in something, but... Sometimes yeah, you probably I don't like love yeah. milk in this. But anyway, it's really good. And then Kenny got the whatever it's called. Honey citrus mint tea or the medicine ball. Yeah. And is this because you feel sick? No, I just really like it. Every time <laughs> I go to Starbucks, I get it. It's nice. really good. Yeah. I got it when I was it. sick and it it's really. peach tea, a citrus mint, steamed lemonade, and honey. I If you're crazy. Like, counting calories, I'm not sure it's the best probably not the selection because there's a lot of like sweetness to <clears throat> it. But it's very good. I mean, it sounds delicious. It's both of your teas. Your teas both smelled very like citrusy in the car. Mint, and yeah. I was like, and minty. And I was like, it smells so fresh in here. That's not what's happening in this yeah. tea. This tea is like, you're in London and there's fog. It's a foggy, <laughs> wah, like wah. rainy day. Did I just blow out anyone's eardrums? Okay. Just Kenny's. It's fine. That was my foghorn. <laughs> don't spill it. Oh my God. You're making me so nervous. I don't want to spill it over my serial killer writing. <laughs> um, so sidebar. <laughs> Uh, Todd and I did an IQ test last night. Oh, yeah. And I was nervous to do one because I'm not that bright sometimes. And I was like, but I was like, well, (laughs) he did it. He got all, he got like every, he got like a, the score was, it gives you a range. It's like a mini IQ test. So his was like 125 and up, which is like 3% of the population. And I'm just like, he's like, do you want to try it? And I'm like, not really. "Mm, Will you be attracted to me still if I take this and I'm stupid? (laughs) I didn't say that, but I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I, I actually got seven. I got a one, wait, from one, 110 to 120. Oh, Believe it or not, I'm in like the top 25 percentile. Yes, queen. <laughs> and then I took another one where it was just like images and pictures, and I got like all of them right. Nice. So, Your visual Basically, I am a genius. Congratulations. Just kidding. <laughs> it was a free test. I'm sure it's not that accurate. Um, Kenny said he took a test and he um, came out higher than his yeah. lady. What did you get? Mine was like 145. And Kim's was like 125, I think. Damn. 145 is like genius. Is it over 140 I mean, It was like these was... questions I've seen before <gasps> oh. that are like puzzle questions. Oh, okay. So I was like, I knew half of them already. So did you tell I don't Kim think that? it's accurate. No, I didn't tell her. Good. I was like, oh, I got like a 145. She's like, oh my God, you're so smart, Kenny. No, she was like, the wedding's off. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, when next time you get into an argument, just be like, I'm smarter than you. I'm right. You're wrong. Love it. It won't work. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Bad advice. No. Bad marriage advice. Mm. Um, mm. We did get a really interesting email oh but um i'm not gonna read it because i feel like it's long and i wanna and i feel like this intro has already been long okay but we got somebody's personal survival story and it (gasps) looks 
terrifying. Oh. So I'm very excited about it. I didn't know we got this. Okay. Yes. And we also had someone I was supposed to reach out to at the beginning of the year. And of course, I just like fucking dropped the ball. So I will. Don't worry. I will we'll reach out. We're just like a mess right now. Maybe we'll do like a viewer one where we have like the one viewer one and then this viewer one. I don't maybe, viewer maybe listener. listener. We, we work at a TV station. We're dumb. <laughs> don't listen to us. Don't don't watch us. No. I mean, listen to us. Just listen. Just fucking listen. Okay. Um are we ready to do this thing? I'm ready, are you? No. Do you want to go first or do you want to go first? If I can, yeah. I'm really nervous because this, Jenny again has. This is like a complicated story that I was just like, I got this. But here you go. Here's the thing Jenny always, she never has notes or paper or anything in front of her. And you always do, I feel like you do a thousand times better than I do. And I have everything like written out, which I'm not going to be able to read half of this, but it's fine. you're, you're going to be great. Okay. Go I'm for so it. Nervous. Don't be nervous. Just us. No one's listening. Okay. So I discovered, and I think I've done stuff from this before. Um, it's a, a series. I think it's on Discovery Plus, and it's called "I Shouldn't Be Alive," mm. which I really love. I love it. And I feel like I've done some from here before. I just spit a little. Sorry about that. Um, and they're always like, for the most part, it's like nature versus yeah. human. Do you like the nature ones? I get burnt out of it depends. them sometimes. The one I picked is like, it's not nature by any means. It's like man-made bullshit that mm. everyone needs to like stop it with. But, Ooh, okay. um, so, <clears throat> so this one was like, um, something about, uh, kidnapping in the killing fields. That was the title of it. And I was like, I'm in <laughs> like hook line sinker. <laughs> Great title. Let's do this. <laughs> um, Okay. So the story is about our friend, uh, the British uh, man, Chris Moon, which I'm like, I like your name. Mm-hmm. So cute. Um, I mean, he is attractive, but I think he's 10 times more attractive because of that accent. So I don't know how you ladies in the UK do it. Do you got, here's my question. I think they don't notice because it's. Well, if you're in the UK, do you find American accents attractive or are they soups annoying like how we think they are? I I don't know. And do you notice the difference between the different accents of America? Like, do we sound, yeah, like, do we sound different to, I mean, I know we do sound different to them, but in what way? I don't know. It's so, accents are weird to me. It's so weird, yeah. Anyway, Chris Moon, um, and he, uh, he was in the military in the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. and when he retired from doing that, he decided he wanted to work for a nonprofit that I'm building up the anticipation. You like that? <laughs> I just thought you were trying to remember. <laughs> no. They um, look for mines, um, you know, landmines mm-hmm. in areas where um, there isn't war anymore. So okay. Asia and Africa specifically. I looked yes. it up so I can help you just in case you forget oh, thank something. You. Oh, thank you. Kenny, that's really yes. sweet. Yes. Well, his... Probably working with the rats Danelle talked about. I mean, maybe, maybe. in Africa. Possibly. But he... So he started his uh, landmine disablement career in uh, Cambodia. Okay. So apparently, again, I'm very not versed on like the other parts of the world because American education is kind of bullshit, but mm-hmm. it's fine. I have a master's degree. Um... <laughs> So, uh, we're going to make you take that IQ test later in business, you guys. Okay. Not American history or world history in this case. (laughs) All right. So he's in Cambodia and apparently there was a really big civil war happening in Cambodia where, um, this Khmer Rouge group was like basically taking over the country and forcing everyone who was not part of their group to be slave labor basically. Mm -hmm. So 
I feel like this might be why a lot of things you see are like made in Cambodia and are really inexpensive because these people weren't being fucking paid. No. It was yeah. just like the Khmer Rouge was like the yeah. fact that you remember the name of Khmer Rouge is impressive to me right now. I can't get past that. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, um, the Khmer Rouge or Khmer Rouge, but either way, um, the only reason I remember it is because I was like, I was like, remember it's com- like Khmer, but then it has the word mare in it, which you own a horse. That's a girl. That's a mare. Like oh my the, God. it was like a word game in my head. I'm like, yeah. you gotta remember this. Um, so anyway, so they are like. I don't not dictators but kind of and mm-hmm. so they're like this group that's awful and people hate them and they're scared of them and um but then the united nations came in and basically took the country back over and the Khmer Rouge was basically pushed back into the like jungles of cambodia okay but during the civil war that was happening there were landmines that were placed everywhere and when i say everywhere it's terrifying like not just like in a field or in this jungle part there are landmines that they have found in playgrounds on schools. Oh, God. Like, there's a school playground, and they'll find a landmine. How long ago do you think this happened? Like, Penny, do you think you, the 40s or the... No. Or earlier? 70-something? Oh. 1975? When the bomb stuff was? Like, when, when the, the mines were planted. The civil, oh. the civil War started in the 70s. I know that. I don't have it on this article. So, like, 70s. It was the right. 70s That's when it started. 70s. It went on for a long time. So, the mines have been there for a long time. Yeah, and he was in Cambodia, like, looking to disable the mines with this, like, nonprofit group mm-hmm. um, in 93 is when this story is taking oh, place. Oh, okay. So... Um, I don't know when the war ended, but basically this is like a big initiative to get rid of the mines. Yeah. As you know, like same thing happens in Africa. Um, we had the rats that help. So, so One cute. Of my favorite stories. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So he goes out there. He does not speak um, Cambodian. And I don't know if that's really a language. I just made that up. So he has a translator and his, his name, according to the little like blurb at the bottom of the screen is Mr. Juan. Okay. <laughs> like they don't give you his first name. It's so cute. Just Mr. Juan. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, so it's very interesting the way that they get rid of these mines. It's like, um, they have like a meter by meter square and it's mm-hmm. marked off by like white sticks okay. and white rope. And they take like a little metal detector thing, I guess a bomb detector thing. And they like do the meter and then they move to the next meter. Like, it's really so it's a slow process. It's painstaking. It looks terrible. And then what they do if they find a mine is they do a contained explosion, which basically just means they explode it, but they do it when everybody's far enough back and it's, like, safe that way. Mm-hmm. They basically just have to, like, detonate all these mines to get rid of them. And they probably have to cover so much area. Like, this is going to take years and years and years and years and years to do yes. and to complete. It's painstaking. Okay. It's awful. So this is the one thing that's, like – this Chris Moon kind of said, this is one of the things about civil war that's really terrible is when you're in the midst of war, you're doing this to like, whatever, make your point, hurt your or enemy, whatever. whatever. But then when the war is over, you now are hurting civilians or people that like children don't, and kids yeah. like, like 30 years later. Exactly. There's exactly. still impact. So, um, so he's doing this. I'm like, well, I feel like when you retire from the military, you maybe should have done something less stressful. But, I mean, good for him. Like, what do I do every day? Not this. Not, not this. We do dumb shit. That's I take a shower and I'm proud of myself. Yeah, that's right. I so, took a shower today. I put makeup on. I did my hair. What? Um, okay, so he's doing this. And he, um, he the one morning he gets up with his translator, Mr. Wong, and uh, a couple other of the team members. And they get into um, this big truck and it's driving them out to the area where they're going to be hunting for landmines. And on the way, um, 
Chris thinks he sees something moving in the bushes, and he's like, are my eyes playing tricks on me? What's happening right now? And then all of a sudden, all of these um, Khmer Rouge guys jump out of the bushes. Oh. And it this was supposed to be a safe area. So they're still active in the country. Yes. The they just got pushed out into like the jungles. Okay. But they're still out there. So and they're really they're really vicious. So in fact Chris said that when he first got there he went to a school that was converted into um during the war the Khmer Rouge used it as a torture um building for like their prisoners okay. of war. And anyone who wouldn't join forces with them or do what they said, they would take there and torture. And, like, the pictures are horrendous. Like, a lot of re- – it, it was very reminiscent of, like, um, the Nazis and yeah. and the Holocaust, where just overly skinny people who yeah. looked, like, like that inhumane. were tied – like, inhumane, tied up in weird positions. Like, just they were tortured terribly. So Chris has seen this, and he knows what the Khmer Rouge could do. So they jump out of the bushes and they basically take um, him and his team captive. They pull them off the truck and he thinks that they they picked them because they were driving in like a Russian truck. And mm. a lot of the Khmer Rouge uh, enemies um, used r- old Russian military supplies. Um, so they probably think there's something going on. And he and he's like he st- he sticks out. He's the only white guy. Right. There's so I'm too. wondering if they think he's like Russian. Or of yeah, and some of of some importance as well. Exactly. Like so they pull him off the truck. They, t- they tell him take all your clothes off. So they like get down to their skivvies. Because mm-hmm. um, at first I was like naked. I would be like no, but they no they left their underwear on, and um, they like search them. Nobody has weapons on them, and he's telling Mr. Juan to you know ex- explain, you know I'm you know, we're part of this volunteer group. We are a neutral party. We are just looking for landmines to disable them. So, you know, he's trans like his translators telling them this and it's terrifying in the video because they have these like guys who are playing the Khmer Rouge and they're just like screaming, like ridiculous, like at the top of their lungs in another language. This poor guy doesn't understand what they're saying. Yeah, Can you imagine being yelled at and ambushed and not know at all a what's going on and b what they're saying? No terrifying so they're standing there they let them put their clothes back on they obviously have no weapons um then they make all of them get into the truck and they get in with them and they make them drive so they drive and they drive and they drive and then all of a sudden it's like monsoon hits so it's just like all this rain Mm -hmm. it's been it's kind of it's monsoon season so it's like everything's really muddy and gross and they get to a river and the river is the the dividing point between what is considered like um United United Nations, like the say? safe area, the maybe, safe area, then... and the Khmer Rouge land. So, um, Chris decides that he, what he wants to do is tell them to send one of their men in to see how deep it is because he doesn't want he wants to have some sort of control and power. Mm-hmm. So this is like a psychological play, which I think because he was in the military, he had this kind of like whatever um, prowess. Yeah. Um. So he tells them he's 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 like send one of your men in and see how deep it is. So um, they send a guy in, and it's really deep. And he's like, we're not going to make it across in this truck. Like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we have to. And so even though he is insisting they don't, and he keeps saying, you know, my leaders at my group aren't going to allow me to meet your your leader today. We should postpone it till tomorrow. Like, he's trying to, like, buy time. Right. And none of it's working. They're just like, no. You have to come. They're like, logic, no. 
no, fuck it. So they drive the truck through this raging river that has been flooded by the monsoons. And he said he was so nervous. He was the one driving the truck. They made him drive. And all this water was like coming in from the bottom. And he thought they were for sure going to stall out and get like swept away. But they made it across. Now they're in Kamar Rouge country. You would almost want, I mean, you wouldn't want to get swept away, but he could have. I would have, in my mind, I would have been like, I can escape possibly if this gets swept away. Correct. Or be in a worse, just as bad situation. So um, when they get there, he meets whatever. There's like different, it's not states, but they have like different regions and there's different leaders in the Khmer Rouge for each region. Like camps almost? Yeah. And there's like, yeah, like like a head person at each of those. And so they get there and he meets this guy and he knew he was important because he wore a brown floppy hat. And I was like, I have a brown floppy hat. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, so, yeah. So he meets this guy and he said he had dead eyes. So he did not like this guy. He's like, this guy seems terrifying. But he's not the main Kamar Rouge leader. And that's who they want Chris to meet. Okay. So they. This is the main guy and he has dead eyes. So imagine what the main guy is going to be. Right. Well, you'll be surprised. Get ready. Oh. Okay. So they have to spend the night here because it's now getting dark. And so they, they sleep there. The next morning, Chris does convince them that he would like to wash himself in the river. And while he's over there, no one's fucking watching him. But they had told him, like, there's mines everywhere. Don't try and escape. So he's washing himself and he sees, like, he thinks he can just make his way back if he follows the river. Okay. But he knows if he leaves that all of his, like, comrades from his um, charity group would, would get killed because they would be so mad that he escaped. So, and... Mr. Juan is just a, a mess. Every time Chris talks about him, he's, he's like, like, I'm just a translator. Right. He's like, every time I look at him, he is terrified. Well, yeah, he probably has no military experience. Well, and, and he also, all he knows of these people is that they kill. Right. He's like, they're going to kill us. Like, we're going to die. <laughs> so he decides to not escape at that point, even though he probably had the chance. Mr. Juan is so thankful. <laughs> so cute. They then get um, back in the truck. They drive. They get to the main camp and the main leader comes out and he has a, they take Chris, they sit him down in this one area and then the main guy comes out and he actually said he was actually a very jovial and had kind eyes and actually had some sort of like empathy Hmm. in him, like that he could see and feel. So he didn't have that dead eye situation going on. So he, he sits there, he meets this guy um, he doesn't really speak English. And when they got to this camp, they separated Chris from his translator, oh. Mr. Juan. So, which is also bad because then Mr. Juan is like, oh, they're going to kill me. Like every, every five seconds, this guy is like, they're going to kill me. Um, so separating them was like terrifying. So anyway, Chris meets the leader and he finds out that his name is Clever. That's his first name? I don't know. He gave it to himself. Whatever. He So he calls himself Clever. <laughs> and then Chris is like, oh, Clever. That's funny. I'm Chris. I'm from the UK. That's Clever, Clever. And then they try. They figure out like what each other are saying, kind of. So Chris is telling him he's been there for six weeks. And you know this is what they're doing. They're trying to disable the mines and da-da-da-da-da. And apparently Clever kind of takes to him and like likes him. Hmm. And they're kind of like yucking it up. And I don't know if it's just because they can't understand each other. I don't know if it's because Clever's thinking, I'm going to fucking kill this guy later. <laughs> He's got something up his sleeve. Right. So he invites uh, Chris and his group to dinner that night at the camp. Okay. And again, cut to Mr. Juan. He's like a mess. He's like, 
no, they're going to feed us and kill us because there isn't a ton of food in Cambodia. And so if they're going to like feed them really well and like treat them really nice at dinner, apparently in their culture, that means they're going to kill them. I'm like, I don't, that's a strange, okay. I mean, if you've got little food, I'm not going to share my food with you and then kill you. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, well, Well, but no, that's the thing. It could be like a, it's like a trick. I think it's like supposed to be like a trick. Like I'm going to give you my food and then you're going to eat it. And then I'm going to be like, fuck you and and kill you. Comfortable. And right. It's like to get their guard down. Mm. So anyway, so they, they feed them this great meal. They all sit around at the same table and talk and laugh and da, 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 da. Like crazy. So then everybody goes to sleep that night and he has a guard. Chris has a guard outside of his tent that he's sleeping in and he can see the guards like cigarette light up every like once in a while. And he like basically can't sleep because he's terrified because he's kidnapped. Yeah. Right. He's been kidnapped in, in the killing fields. I can't sleep because I've been kidnapped in the killing fields. Um, so anyway, so he, um, he wakes up in the morning and it's actually like everybody's being really nice and cordial and he doesn't understand what's going on. And then suddenly they hear a helicopter and the Kamarouge immediately, they go from nice and cordial to fuck. Like they're going to kill us. Like they have a helicopter. They're here because we took these people prisoner. Like, so they're like pissed. Yeah. So they're pissed at the prisoners, even though they're the ones who took them because now they've brought a helicopter. It's ridiculous. Even though they have no idea if it's really correlated, like. It is. Just, oh, okay. But it's it's a UN helicopter, so there's no weapons on it. They're just searching for their people. Mm-hmm. So the Khmer Rouge immediately get out like their semi-automatic and automatic oh, weapons and start shooting at this helicopter. And Chris is like, no, no, no. So at this point, Clever, the leader, says, like, we have to get rid of them. So he, at this point, everyone's like, fuck, we're getting killed. But the good news is, is... Um, Clever had taken a liking to Chris Moon and his little team of people. So he basically said, you have one day to get out of Khmer Rouge country, like to get out of the jungle. So okay. I, I will give you one day. But there's mines and... So they let them go. Okay. And um, they start driving and they get stopped, of course, by another like leader. You know, there's like the different leaders and it's the same leader that had found them the first time. Oh, God. And was so pissed that they were still alive. Like, he couldn't believe that the main guy let them live. So he's all like, Meh. And how do you convince him that he's let you go? So, well, and they talked about they talked about it. And they're like, he let us go. He let us go. And, and we have one day to get out of the jungle. And they were like, that's fine. Give us your truck and you can have this shitty one. So they give them, they like make them get out of the truck and they give them this shitty ass truck that doesn't work very well. They also make some of the boy soldiers because eh, there are boy soldiers there that are like, you know, underage. Yeah. And they make them go with them. Then they get the truck stuck in some mud because it's fucking monsoon season. Right. So they all get out and the boy soldiers and them have to walk the rest of the way. And at one point, Chris had his like hand on the shoulder of one of the boy soldiers, and he was like, I could have snapped his neck like a little pigeon. I was like, oh, that's an oh, interesting... Damn. Damn it, Chris. But he's like, no, that would be bad. But he wanted to like instill fear in them so that he could just be like, go away. Like We're stronger than you. But he was like, that's not what we're doing right now. So um, the good news is, is they make it back, mm-hmm. and the townspeople are like overjoyed. Because it's been a couple of days and they don't know where these people have gone. And they are like, they, and the Khmer like Rouge. Their, and they like are saving their town. Yeah. And he months. said the, the kids, it's so sweet. The kids in the neighborhood are like so thankful that him and his like little group are there and like de-arming those landmines. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, 
They were so grateful that we came back. They couldn't believe we were alive. Everyone was like cheering. It was like this whole like welcome party when we came back. And he's like, so they survived being captured by the Khmer Rouge, which is a super crazy organization, but it doesn't end there. Oh, but wait, but wait, there's more. There's more. So he survived that. Then he ends up going to Africa to help disarm mines in Africa. Uh And he's in a very remote location. He thinks everything's fine. But he turns, and all of a sudden he hears an explosion. Oh, no. And uh, Chris Moon is on the ground, and he looks at his hand, and he has, like, this little, like, there's a a little um, tool that they use to, like, see if there's a landmine. He said the blast was so intense that it shoved Mm -hmm. that piece of equipment (gasps) through his hand. And he said, I recognize the shape because it went right through his hand. And I was like, And I just threw up. And then he looked down and he saw his one leg was fine, but very burnt. But then he looked down and he saw his other leg was missing from the knee down. Oh. And he said, my immediate thought was I should scream, help, my leg has been blown off. Like he just wanted to start screaming about his leg being blown off. But he's like, that is not helpful. So he's like, when the medic gets here, I'm pretty sure he'll notice. It's like, he'll notice Chris. my leg's missing. <laughs> And I have something through my hand. Right, 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 right. So he, um, <clears throat> they take him in a helicopter to a hospital. He does, lo- he actually loses the arm. Oh. Like, I don't know. I think it was from like the elbow down-ish. Okay. And they amputate the leg that had been blown off. Um, and then um, it's really inspiring. He actually continues to do his landmine work, even though he lost a leg and an arm. Oh. And had been taken captive by a very dangerous group. Right. Like, I would have been done after that. Right. Like, I've done my duty. He keeps doing it. He has a prosthetic leg. He has a prosthetic arm. He also runs races, like those crazy ones in the desert, which I'm like, I get, like, I'd be like, cool, he runs 5Ks with his, like, prosthetics. Awesome. No, he's, like, running marathons through the desert. Here's one of the marathons. It's called the Badwater Death Valley Ultra Marathon, yeah. which is 136 miles, yeah. five marathons back to back to back, mm-hmm. and temperatures similar to those recommended for slow cooking chicken. Yeah, he's crazy. So anyway, so he's Bad like badass. He not only is a survivor, but he is out of his mind, out of control, doing these races with his prosthetics. And I just feel like Chris Moon and Mr. Juan is. They're both just great survivors, and I loved their stories. And so even though he did get kidnapped and blown up, he's still, he's still making out there it, doing it, doing his thing. So Chris wow. Moon. Chris Moon. Yeah, kidnapping the killing fields. Damn. Get on it. That was That's, good. Thanks. Jenny, yeah. you did great. Thanks. I feel like there were a lot of details that got left out. However. Well, one of the cool things I read, it said the doctor said after the explosion, he's never seen someone with that little blood still alive. But because of his, like, athleticism, his body could kind of stay together, apparently. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I was also thinking, like, I don't know how prosthetics work, but to have, like, a – and this could be an ignorant statement, but you would think running through the desert with a prosthetic would be, like, just very painful rubbing on, like, the metal rubbing. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea, but he is making it work, and – He's kind of a badass, so yeah, he is. Damn, that is the story. Wow, that's that was a good one. Thanks. I'd never heard that before. I was like, I started, re- I started well watching this, and I was like, 
Oh, God, there's so many details. Oh, God, I'm going to be fucked. Oh, God. Yeah, sometimes when you're putting something together and there's a lot of details, it's like, do I keep going because I'm going to miss something? And I feel like as long as we get the story across as best we can, like, yeah. that's what our listeners and then are looking for. Watch the... Yeah, if you want to watch the whole thing, there's a lot of shit in there. So, and the Kamaru, like, I didn't know anything about the Cambodian Civil War. So, yeah, I didn't either. Very interesting. Hmm. Good job. Thanks. It's weird going second. Okay. <laughs> and I can't say that I'm drunk because I'm just drinking tea. <laughs> Well, maybe there's a little splash of brandy in there. I mean, we could get one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have brandied from like 10 years ago. I'm Ew. sure it's good. Okay. So my story is about Anita uh, Woodridge. Mm. And this is from the I Survive podcast, mm-hmm. which is really good. Yeah. Is that the, from the show, right? It's from the show, but it has like a different person narrating it. And it's it's very well produced. It's, it's, it's nice. So... This is the I Survive podcast episode back from June of 2020. Okay. And I forget the exact title of it, but you'll find it. Um, so Anita is, she lives in a small town in Indiana and she's 21. She just turned 21. It's like the late, in the podcast it says late 90s, but then later in the podcast it says late 80s. Oh, okay. So I'm not really sure when this took place. I think it's the late 90s. We're just going to stick with that. Um, she just graduated from college. She has a computer degree and she's still living at home with her parents because she's, you know, just graduated college and she works part time for the UPS. Like, I don't know if she like drives a UPS truck you or she a lot of money driving for UPS. You note. can. And like FedEx too. Like if you deliver for FedEx and the company itself, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. My old roommate delivers for UPS during Christmas season. It's insane. Yeah. Like, how much yeah and then the once you're there for a while you get like two months vacation a year it's mm-hmm. crazy it's in this mm-hmm. guy I went to high school with i don't talk to him i don't know him i just know he drive my mom works with knows like his mom and the small town we grew up in and he drives for fedex and she was like he makes like he does really well and you get like two months off and whatever so she's doing that part-time it's not what she wants to do for with her life but right it's whatever but it's good money exactly so good for her so um she said on this day so it's june 25th is when this happened and um you know it's in the summer and she her mom wakes her up early in the morning to get like as any mom would do after you graduated college like get out of bed like it's time to get up right and she's like she's like okay mom I'm up and her mom leaves for work and then she immediately goes back to bed as as any of us would do so she actually gets up around 10 a.m and she's fine that's fine like on Saturdays sometimes I sleep until like 10 or maybe if 11 I if Declan, I want I take the dog out and then I go back to bed and I usually sleep till like 11 well see Callie will sleep until like noon so I don't really have any reason to I'm get up soup's jealous of that yeah she'll just sleep she'll Sedona just... gets me up every day at like 7 15 she's like hello bathroom. see Callie will like I'll come down here in the morning and she'll still be in bed until like 10 o'clock and then she moseys her way down so she goes back to bed, gets up around 10, and is, like, making breakfast and coffee, whatever. The phone rings, and then there's also a knock at the door at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, landline days. This isn't cell phone. So she answers the phone and quickly also walks to the door and answers the door at the same time. And as she's walking to the door, she steps on a tack. So oh her foot, God. which sounds really painful, but she made it sound like it wasn't a big deal. So she opens the door. She's on the phone. And it's a gentleman standing there who she recognizes, mm-hmm. and his name is Victor Steele. Oh, okay. he's, that sounds like a fake name. It's not. Okay. So she recognizes Victor, Victor from a year prior. She used to work at a gym. Mm-hmm. And I don't know like what she did at the gym, but he was a common, like he would go there and work out. And he, she describes him as being kind of like, 
a little creepy. He smelled a little funny. He like wrote sci-fi books. Like to strike up conversations with the right. Like to strike up conversations (laughs) with the ladies. Was just kind of a creeper, but he grunted a lot. He was harmless. She described him Mm, as that. They're never harmless. They're never harmless. And I think us as women, we always will like. We all know someone that's harmless. But we give excuses because they're we feel bad for them. I'm gonna say one thing, and you're the only one who's gonna get it. I think. Do you know Duan? Yeah. He, yeah. Okay. Okay. He was harmless. He was, but right. he wasn't. But he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know, so she was because she's now talking to him at, at her front door, and she said he was really sweaty, and he had rode his bike to her house. Like she noticed he had his bike with him. So he probably smelled really terrible. He probably at this smelled point. real sweet, and he said to her, "Can I have a glass of water?" And she just, she said she didn't even think about it. And she opened the door and let him in because she like, she was like, I didn't even put two and two together as to a, how how does he know where I live? Know where I live, but it's a small town. Okay. But how how does he know where I live? Why is he here? And I haven't seen this guy in a year and I didn't even really know him that well. And now he's at my front door, like sweating and asking for a glass of water. So she turns around. He's, you know, behind her and she also remembers that she stepped on a tack so she also bends over to grab like there was like blood on her foot to like wipe the blood away and she feels this sharp pain in her back <gasps> and she's like what she's like what the fuck is happening like what what is happening then she feels it again no! and then she falls to the ground and realizes that he is he has a stun gun or a taser and <sighs> again she's just so confused as to what's happening so he then proceeds to drag her inside in the house Mm -hmm. and he zip tie he puts his knee on her back and zip ties her hands and feet and he says i'm robbing you i need money and she thinks to herself like okay like here here's my purse is here um there's money in it what else do you need like just take it whatever and he was like well that's the thing you're gonna have we're gonna go to your atm you're gonna come with me and she, oh, in her mind, no. still is like, okay, fine. Like, this guy's, rem- remember, he's harmless, right? Sure. Except for now he's stunned her. Yeah. So she, he loads her into the trunk of her own car. No. Yeah. Don't like that. And it's a very hot day. So it's like 100 degrees out. And she's all bound up still. And they're driving. And she's trying to envision where they're going um, she thinks the ATM, but she hears a garage, she hears gravel and then a garage door opening Mm-mm. and then she hears a garage door close Mm-mm. and she's like, where are we? So he opens the trunk and they're in his, he lives with his mom. So they're at his mom's house and he says to her, um, but before, before I take you to the ATM, I have some sexual needs that need fulfilled. <gasps> yeah. No. So he does the, unth- you know, he rapes her and then he change. He tells her then that he changed his mind and he's not. They're not going to the ATM. Um, they're going to go upstairs in the house. So he drags her upstairs into his bedroom where he has a metal locker on its back. So think of a giant metal locker where yep. the the doors are now facing up, uh-huh. like a he, coffin, like a coffin. It's Amazing. a metal coffin. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. So he puts her in the metal coffin and locks it. He bind. You know, does the zip ties on her hands and feet again throws her in there and locks it uh-uh. and like he leaves uh-uh. no. he leaves to go dispose of her car somewhere so she's just like sitting there for five hours in this metal coffin god damn it yeah so he then comes back and opens up the metal coffin or locker and says to her he rapes her again 
and he was like, okay, we're, we're leaving. So then he takes her, puts him in his truck and they just are driving and driving and driving. Takes all for 10 hours. They drive. It's a long time. And he takes all back roads the whole time. And, um, she said she had to pee so bad, but he refused to pull over. And he also made her give him oral sex multiple times on the drive, which is just, I was thinking to myself, I was like, what would I do in this? I always think like, what would I do in this situation? And I would think that maybe I'd like try to bite him or something. Uh But if your hands are tied behind your back and your legs are tied after you bite him, how do you get out? Like, how do you, you know? So I I think that was running through her mind too. Like, how do I escape? She couldn't escape. Like he wouldn't pull when he did pull over eventually to let her pee. Um, he raped her again and let her pee on the side of a road, like a dirt road. And then got back in the car and just drove. So there was really no escape for her. Um, so she had also said in the interview that she had always thought to herself, like she would rather die than be raped. Like if she was ever in that situation and she said after it happened, her will to live became so strong that she was like, I always thought that that's how I would feel. But once it happened, obviously it was an awful and terrible experience time and time again, but she knew that she just had to get through this and she wasn't going to stop fighting. Right. So he takes her to this tiny little, they describe it as looking like an old church, but it's an apartment he's renting and he wants to turn it into a bookstore is what he tells her. Neat. So he takes her here and he has a whole room set up for her. So this is pre-planned. Ew. And he basically throughout this whole process just continues to rape her over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm not going to keep saying that because it's very disturbing and um, has a metal locker for her to live in as well Ew, no so he puts her in the metal locker and she's there for like up to 10 hours every single day and the first day passes and she's like he lets her out and she's like I can't breathe in there like I'm going to suffocate like you're going to kill me so he puts a fan like on one of the vent covers and she then can breathe a little bit better and once he closes the door she thinks to herself like I'm safe Like, she found comfort in the metal box because he wasn't talking to her. He wasn't touching her. He wasn't raping her. She was just in her little metal cocoon, and she was fine. So days pass on, and during this time, she also knows that her family's looking for her. Right, of course. Because, oh, I forgot to mention. So she was getting ready to meet her boyfriend and her grandparents for lunch that day. So when she got up at 10 in the morning, she was, like, getting ready to meet them for lunch. So she clearly doesn't show up for lunch. So she knows that people know she's missing. Mm -hmm. Um. So the police are looking for at this point, her parents, her boyfriend, and her boyfriend actually, she says in the interview, was under serious investigation. Like they thought he had something to do with it. They even made him take a a polygraph test, which he failed. Oh no. But he failed it because he was so nervous. Like he didn't have anything to do with her disappearance, but he just was so nervous. So just because someone fails a polygraph test does not mean they're right. Which is why they're not admissible in court. Right. Like I feel like I would be a hot mess. If I had to take a polygraph, I would probably fail it because I'm a hot mess. Yeah. They'd be like, what's your name? And I'd be like, they'd be like, no, they'd be like, is your name Jennifer? And I'd be like, no, yes. What? I don't know. I'm missing some of the details because I'm just going off memory. No, here, I like but, your memory story. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, sh- oh, she also said the place didn't have a shower. Ew. So we had like a barrel. It had a sink, but it didn't have a proper shower. So he'd make her shower. off. He'd watch her when she would shower. Like he didn't leave her side. There was no way she was going to escape. Yeah. So he had a hose 
hooked up to the sink faucet and that's mm-hmm. how then he'd like hose her off and stuff and I bet that was comfortable and then the one day so this is like day let's say day five like she's she was there for a total of eight days okay. and the one day he was like do you want to play some games like a board game and she was just like no I don't want to fucking play a board game with you but she in her mind she was like I need to get him to like trust me and like me and I need to become human to him um so she played board games with him they watched a movie um but she said every time that they did something like her he would rape her afterwards or he would you know physically abuse her or beat her and he would also play a lot of mind games with her where he would be like if you try to escape I'm always sitting here watching you like I'm going to know like he would play like cop sounds to think to make her think like the police were there to see what she would do like he would just trick her it was it was just awful so um also the metal container was a three by five metal container which is tiny how tall was she I don't know like some of us are five foot eight I mean most people are over five feet like it's tiny in there But you know her situation was so bad that she said the only day he didn't rape her was because the day before he had anally raped her so bad. This is terrible, I know. That um, she was throwing up the next day and had diarrhea so bad that he didn't touch her. Like he made her shower and just didn't touch her. So she was almost relieved like he's not touching me. So Oh my God. Sick. So let's see. Da-da-da-da-da. So on day eight, this was in like early July at this point, um, she hears all this commotion going on and uh, the locker, she's in the locker and the locker top opens up and it's uh, this whole SWAT team just like staring at her. And they, she said they scoop her up and they rescue her and she thought it was a prank at first. Like she was very not trusting the situation because she had been mentally like fucked over the past eight days. And then she saw like the news crew outside and she knew it was real. Well, how the police found her is when they were investigating, they had interviewed her old boss at the gym. And the list was really short as to who could have done this or who would have wanted to do this to her. And her old boss had mentioned Victor's name. Mm. So they went to Victor's mom's house. And Victor's mom was like, I don't know. He left in a hurry. Um, You know, he's kind of, she didn't say he was weird, but she was just like, he was in a hurry to leave and just was giving this what giving them what she knew and the police noticed that she had a dry erase board on her fridge and there was an address written on it mm-hmm. and they thought well maybe that's where he went so they just followed the address and that's how they found her oh my god that's the only lead they had damn um so they ended up rescuing her they take her you know to the hospital and get her the stuff she needs and um she then goes immediately to the police station. They're like, do you want to wait a couple days or do you want, she's like, no, I want this guy caught. I mean, I want him to like go away for as long as he can possibly go away for. So they ended up prosecuting him. And the sad thing is, which I didn't realize is he wanted to represent himself at trial. Mm -hmm. And if you represent yourself, you get to question the witness on the stand. So he got to like cross examine her Which when she found that out, she said she physically got sick. Like it was just like very traumatic for her. And he also had a prior in the early 80s. He was convicted of rape Mm. of another girl and he got 20 years in prison. Well, he got out after 10 years on good behavior. So anyway, it goes to trial. She's super strong. She powers through all of it. He gets life in prison plus 25 years, which is wonderful. And afterwards, she said she was doing 
pretty well afterwards because of all the publicity and like she got a lot of cards and there's just a lot of support. And then she said once that all died away, um, you know, her and her boyfriend ended up breaking up because it just was hard to work through all yeah. the trauma. And of course. Of course. She also said she wasn't ready to have like an intimate relationship with him, which I can totally understand. Um, and then she goes into detail at the end of the podcast about how she didn't want to get help. Like she didn't want to get counseling. She didn't want to get help. She didn't think she needed it. And then she finally did, you know, talk to someone and, and she ended up going through three different counselors and her whole mission now, not her whole mission, but she has a really good story in the sense of, she said, you know, I needed help. I didn't know I needed help. And she's like, it took me to meet with three different counselors to find the right fit for me. And it's, there's nothing wrong with talking to someone and she's on medication and she's a big, big advocate for like, it's okay to be on medication to help yourself. Just, She's like, I was depressed. and But you back in what well, you said it was either 80s or 90s, I feel like either of those decades, it wasn't okay. Right. Like how it is today. Yeah. Like I see a counselor every other week. Mm-hmm. I'm on medication. And I, it's okay. I take CBD powder. Like I, believe me, I think mental health is super important. But back then I can see the stigma. There was such a stigma. So she was kind of at the front of all of this. And yeah. again, at first she was very like, I don't need help. I got this on my own. I can do it. And then, and she said also, which I thought was a good message as she became older and, and wanted to have like an intimate relationship with someone, the counselor that she was seeing was an old lady, like reminded her of her grandma. Yeah. And she's like, I couldn't talk to her about certain things. Cause she was like a, a grandmother figure to me. So she yeah. ended up moving on to a different counselor and she was like, it's okay to like interview that or like switch up counselors. And, yeah. and I just thought it was a really good message because I think if you are searching for a counselor, you you don't have to settle for the first one like it's okay to go to multiple counselors and no I totally like I went to multiple counselors and the first one I saw like didn't get me at all yeah and and their style might be off and I was just like do I not need help like because she kind of made it seem like I was being weird because I came to her for help and I was like do I like she made it did she make you feel almost like your life's pretty good like why are you here yeah yeah no that's not it's not that I'm saying my life is bad but you know we all need a little help and a little outside guidance from time to time um so yeah my first experience like you you definitely have to go through a few counselors sometimes to find the right one right and that's fine and she'd even been through a very obviously traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and it still took her you know a while to get to the point so she ended up reconnecting with someone she actually went to high school with who was a psychologist at the time Mm -hmm. and was her age Mm. and she said they just clicked immediately and she's her her current counselor now and they ended up writing a book together oh wow and the book is called what happened to anita woodridge and um yeah i think it's just a really good metal box terrible story yes that that reminds me a lot of that one where they put the girl in the box under the bed remember that no I did we that do story. that one yes. yeah that oh, one was I creepy that. yeah i feel I like anytime that one anytime people get put into enclosed i think because i have a little claustrophobia that i'm just yeah. like i would freak the fuck out but then you think like the abuse was so bad that she was like looked forward like that was her sanctuary for eight days that's disgusting eight days and, and at one point she did say she's like i thought I was either going to, he was going to murder me because I was going, going to eventually try to escape mm. or I was going to suffocate in the box and die. She's like, I really thought I wouldn't be rescued at one point because days just, yeah, kept know, going day after day. So mm. that yeah. was a really good story. Yeah. It was really, and again, the I survived episodes really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I, mean, I don't know, like again, how tall she is and stuff like her dimensions for the box, but I'm assuming it'd be very uncomfortable. 
regardless. Yeah, that sounds of, terrible. Like, so. if you could, I'd be, that would be my thing. If I couldn't, like, stretch my legs fully, I would freak the fuck out. Yeah. Okay. Gross. All right. Kenny, can you lighten things up? I can. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so Chipotle is launching what? It's nothing new with food, but it's inspired by their food. Ooh. A pinata. Oh, okay. Filled with chips and guac. Sure. That's that's actually a pretty good idea for them. Hey, you know. Um, call me. I'm giving out ideas. <laughs> call Jenny Day. Ooh. Um jeez, I don't fucking know. Um I'm gonna guess something for carry out. That's a good idea because I don't of the know. pandemic. Just tell me. I can't think anymore. A makeup collection. Oh, I knew this. An avocado. Oh. They have like avocado colored eyeshadow or something. It's Yeah, they have like, where is it? A 12 color eyeshadow palette inspired by ingredients it's, such as rice, guacamole, and salsa. It's oh, terrible looking. I'm sure. Yeah. But. And you can get uh, Make It Hot lip gloss oh. or extra guac face sponge set. And you can get a makeup bag that resembles a Chipotle brown paper bag. Oh, I was going to say if it resembled a burrito, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd like be just a giant burrito. I just can't. Here, here are the colors. No, thank you. Yeah. Hard pass. I just don't do that vibrant of makeup on myself. I feel like if you were at all born or lived during the 80s, you don't do that makeup because we've already. We already did Experienced it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It, it's I, I read that story the other day and the colors are just terrible, but smart on their part because they're getting pressed. Well, and I feel like there are some people who do love a bold I, I'm not one of those people. The, I also the feel like we don't have the complex, complexion for that either. No, we don't. I have to. I have to keep it a little muted here. Yeah. I mean, I already have red hair. Like we don't need more pop. You don't need a pop of green on your eyes. Oh Jesus Let's Christ! Be no. clear. Maybe for Halloween, like if I dressed up as something like with you like know, ivy cool. or something. Right. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, but yeah. No. Okay. Well, good on you, Chipotle. Get get crazy. I liked Why your not? idea though that it was going to be something about takeout because that would make I sense. I mean, that's as far as the idea went. But yeah. Because I feel like that makes more sense right now during a pandemic than yeah. make anyway. But it's weird news, so. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, good episode. I liked both these stories, and I liked the weird news. That was good. And with no alcohol. And now I am starving, and I don't think I'm going to eat my leftover pizza. I would like to stop and get food on the way home. Where are you going to stop? I don't know. Maybe you can come with me. Sheets? Hmm. No, I'm not going to sheets. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.